What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Franchise Tag. I'm your host, Eric Salas, and as always, joined with me on Zoom is the almighty Chris Perotti. How you doing, my man? It's going. It's going. I'm very busy, but uh, you know, can't complain. Everyone's healthy. How about how about you, Eric? Dude, how I just I can't stop smiling, man. We got eight <laughs> days. Tomorrow will officially be a week. Um, as of today's recording, it's September 2nd, so as of right now, eight days until the September 10th kickoff of Thursday Night Football between the Texans and the Chiefs. A rematch of that playoff game, which that kind of uh, turned our heads a little bit and was like, I guess Pat Mahomes is the real thing. So that really showed us that, um, you know, honestly, that just gets me excited within itself. Um, but we're looking at two different teams probably that day. But honestly, it could be the lowest scoring game. Pat Mahomes can't get anything going. Deshaun Watson can't, doesn't have, a, you know, DeAndre Hopkins like he did last year. Doesn't matter. I'm ready to watch some football. Um, yeah. That's all I'm ready for, dude. Um, so kind of what we're here to record this week, not only talk about football as we always do and as we prep up for um, this upcoming NFL season, uh, there's been a lot of news as of late. And obviously we can go back to what's happened weeks ago, but like including the whole COVID situation with testing and people are reporting positive and we're already this close to starting the season and the protocols aren't going right. But listen, this season is going to happen regardless. So I feel like whatever happens... That's going to be met more down the line, and I'm sure this won't be the last time we hear of it. Um, so I feel like talking about it right now, it's going to be a whole different story within the next couple of weeks. So we'll leave it at that. But we wanted to start off with some actual player news, and then we'll jump into some other things. Chris, I'm going to throw a curveball at you because I didn't tell you about this, but I want you to pick the first All topic right. of the day, and we'll go from there. Uh, the first topic. I think what we need to talk about is is Yannick Ngakwe. I feel like we've been talking about that the last couple of times we spoke. It was like what's what's going to happen. They were obviously as as a Giants fan on your end, you were hoping maybe the Giants would swoop in with him or, or Clowney or so forth. But uh, you know that that unfortunately didn't happen for you guys. That was kind of a dream move to happen. I mean, it would have happened in the perfect scenario. I mean, right now we're in a little bit of a situation. Um, with uh, Len- Leonard Williams because he just yeah. signed his uh, his tender. Um, so we're kind of locked in on him. And then um, I forgot, who do we have on the other side of the ball? I, honestly, who's our other edge rusher? I'm trying um, to think. Am, yeah. I know, Car- Carter's the outside linebacker, so I don't. Th- it's definitely not him. So it's like, you st- either way, you still need some D. De- yeah, I'll look at the depth chart soon. Like, it's a shame on me for yeah, not knowing I, the actual. I don't, I don't know. Uh, if you don't know and I don't know, then I, I guess that's an okay thing. But actually, you know, that it, like what, what I was saying before, it would have been a perfect scenario because he's 25 years old. He wants out of Jacksonville. And mm-hmm. you go to an, another young and upcoming team that you could probably help. And, but uh, at the end of the day, I don't think that was going to be the move regardless. I think that was more of like a, a dream move that uh, Giants fans would have liked to see. Um, yeah. But the move overall, what actually happened, let's not jump into you know, hypotheticals and stuff like that. This is the reality of the situation. He ended up getting traded for almost little to nothing to go to the Vikings. And the reason that move was even able to happen because he never signed his franchise tag with the Jaguars in the first place. So he was willing to take about... I think I got the numbers right, about close to $6 million, I think around $5 million less to get out of Jacksonville. And that speaks volumes because that team is so far in the rebuilding process. And we're going to get into Leonard Fournette a little later, which is a whole different story. And it's so weird, a team that, like Jacksonville, who was a game away from going to the Super Bowl and then had the little bit of a a down season the next year, which is kind of expected, but everything just kept going mm-hmm. down and down. And when it rains, it pours. Um, but he goes to Minnesota. I think it's a phenomenal move um, for the Vikings. I think that's a huge, huge acquisition there because they lost Everson Griffin this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe they just signed a defensive tackle this week, if I'm not mistaken. I forgot his name. His name is like Reef Rife or something like that. Um, so that helps their case too on the defense. I'm going to look up their depth chart as well because things are moving around. Um, I love it. Uh, <laughs> it's just that guy wanted out so bad. And uh-huh. he finally got out of there. I'm sure he's going to be happy. He's going to fin- have a phenomenal year. Um, I don't think people are paying too much attention to that. Definitely a big move, a move people have been waiting for for a long time. And now it's done. What are your thoughts? Well, honestly, I was in the middle of work when this happened, so I wasn't 
wasn't scrolling through social media. wasn't I didn't get a notification about it. Isn't that when Not, the biggest moves happen? When you're working it it, and it you don't see is. it? I feel like every single one of our friends tells us what's going on before that. I'm like, aren't we? Yeah. The, or we we're the ones that are supposed to know this before <laughs> them. But of course, yeah. we're always busy when stuff happens. And of course, all other news that doesn't matter is is happening while we're actually checking. But anyway, that, go that, on. That's exactly what happened. And, and I'm, I was just was casually strolling through Twitter on uh, on my lunch break. And I'm just like, what? I was like, wait a minute, Ngakwe got traded. And I'm looking and I was like, whoa. I was like, like I follow throughout my social media pages on Twitter. I'm sure you're the same way. We're following all these analysts, all these sports pages and so forth. So when something happens, it's all over my feed. I'm seeing it multiple times from different reporters and so forth. Um, and, and I just saw it. And, and at first, I, it wasn't, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, like Schefter or any of those guys, it's not the first one I saw. So I was like, huh, is this, is this legit? And then I kept scrolling, and then there it was. And I was just like, "Didn't I didn't see it happening. I did not see that move happening. So upon being traded to uh, the Minnesota Vikings, I mean, let's take a look at the deal that he did sign with them. Um, the Vikings defensive end, Yannick Ngakwe, agreed to a one-year, $12 million contract for the 2020 season. Um, Ngakwe's franchise tender was worth $17.78 million, but he accepted roughly $5 million less to help facilitate a trade out of Jacksonville, which is, again, how badly he wanted to be out of there. Only 25 years old, he agreed to this contract restructure um, with an expectation that Minnesota will sign him to a lucrative extension in 2021, which he probably could do. Uh, the rework deal includes a no-tag clause, meaning the Vikings cannot use the franchise tag on Unique Ngakwe next season. Um, so that's probably a, a big help for him because he's probably so he tired wanted. of that. He's like, I'm wasting my prime here. So yeah. that's definitely a good thing there. And Ngakwe issued the following statement via Twitter on his move to Minnesota. It's evident that my time in Jacksonville is up, but I want to say thank you to the organization for making it a home for myself for the past four years and that I'll never forget uh, that chapter is over with now. Nothing lasts forever, but I'm truly excited to start this new chapter. Skull! Exclamation point. Um, so just to kind of clear things up from what I said before. So the I think it was Riley Reif is his name. He is the offensive tackle, not the defensive mm-hmm. tackle. I guess I got that okay. messed up. Um, apparently it was said that he'd be released and ended up re-signing him. So just to kind of clear the air there, just so I don't listen to this back later. And I'm like, I truly messed up. But now we're, we're all good. Um, so he gets added to that defense. And uh, we're talking about a team in Minnesota where that defense has some big, big names. They still have Linval Joseph. How can I forget Linval Joseph, former Giant, Super Bowl champion? Um, they lose Everson Griffin. Who is their other defensive end? Oh, Daniel, they have Daniel Hunter, too. Daniel I don't, Hunter. Is he their defensive end? Right. I, mm-hmm. It's always one of those things with defensive ends where it's like, are they the outside linebacker or the defensive end? It's like, yeah. it doesn't even matter what their title is anymore, their position name. Um yeah, the Neil Hunter, and then you have Unique Ngakwe. Talk about a absolute force on that defensive front. Um, and we're not even mentioning a lot of the other names they have for defensive backs. Um, yeah, their, their safeties were graded like the highest group in, in the league last year. Well, yeah, their safeties it? are absolute beasts. Like we're talking about Harrison Smith every single year, and it's like that dude doesn't miss a step. He's just good. You don't even have to expect anything different from him. He's just going to outperform anybody. So, mm-hmm. Too bad Mark doesn't know who he is. Uh, no, and we'll hold that against him for life. Uh, but we almost I almost forgot that they got rid of uh, Xavier Rhodes a little while back. Is he mm-hmm. with a team currently? Uh, I doubt it, right? Is he, he might be with Indianapolis. I think he's with Indianapolis. Oh, yeah. I think he may have signed like a one-year deal or something yeah, with them. Yeah, I think, I think it was something That happened yet. so, so long ago. Uh, yeah. Don't even remember that. So <laughs> I'm honestly very curious now what their depth chart looks like. And what they're looking like defensively in terms of defensive backs. Because so we could talk about Harrison Smith and, you know, some of their linebackers. And they have well, the defensive they front. They also but... got rid of, uh, what was it, Trey Waynes or something? Yes, and he went to the Bengals. That's probably one of their best moves because mm-hmm. Trey Waynes was decent for them for the first couple of years when he was drafted there. Um, but when they moved on from him, the Bengals signed him to a deal. A massive deal. A massive deal where he hasn't even cleared his his physical yet. I don't think he's even allowed to play right now. It's a yeah. three-year deal, $72 million. And talk about dodging a bullet and having to pay him that much money. I think that was probably one of their best moves. Uh, let's take a look at their yeah. defense here. So like we mentioned before, the left defensive end is Daniil Hunter. Um, defensive tackles. Oh, what happened here? I guess they don't have Limbo Joseph this year. It's not what's set on their depth chart right now. Did they move on? Hmm. From, they may have moved on from him, if I'm not mistaken. Well, maybe they got rid of him and uh, Everson Griffin. Let's see. I'm going to double check. Linvald Joseph. Yeah, I don't know where he went, though. Oh, he got signed to the Chargers. I do not remember uh, that move. 
That is news to me. Well, they lose him. Didn't the Chargers pick up uh, a corner also? Yeah, Chris Harris Jr. That's who it was. I was going to say because they have uh, they still have Casey Hayward, right? They have Casey Hayward, yes. Uh, and unfortunately, they lost Derwin James, their safety. Um, we're getting, yeah, we'll, that, get, we'll get into that a little later too. But uh, yeah, they they did end up signing Linval Joseph to a two year, seventeen million dollar contract to the Chargers. I rem- don't remember that deal whatsoever. I don't either. I don't remember that happening. But you got to take that as a big loss, <laughs> unless he's been down, like I guess, like on the decline. But it's hard for me to picture that. I forgot they have Eric Kendricks too, Anthony Barr. Hard to forget those guys. Mike Hughes has taken a step up the past couple of years. Um, Anthony Harris is their free safety, so they got guys on that defense. And we're talking about a team that um, has something to prove this year. And it's a division where they're probably one of the best divisions to watch last year in terms of mm-hmm. like everyone was getting so excited for this division and now it's kind of like everyone might be bad and we're talking about a chance that the lions could make some noise too so it's like you know maybe the vikings could finally take a shot at trying to get first place in this division because you already know that the chemistry in that locker room over in green bay may not be the best i feel like if your quarterback is kind of one foot in one foot out that doesn't mean everything's going to be so great defensively and offensively it could be Mm -hmm. a whole detriment to the whole team overall but you know, we'll have to see how everything pans out. But for as for the Vikings, they're making some pretty decent moves this year. Um, mm-hmm. But defensively, I'm liking what I'm seeing. Yeah, it definitely was a huge pickup. I just, for some reason, you know, there's there's a few teams that for some reason, every time there's a free agent, you always hear that they're in the mix. It's always like the Eagles, the Seahawks, the Patriots, uh, Dallas. For some reason, those teams, I feel like, are always in the loop no matter who the, the free agent is. I feel like you never hear anybody – you know, you never hear Minnesota being in the loop. So uh, it was surprising to to find out that he went there. But now we wait for Clowney and see what happens there. Yeah, we do. Um, so I'm going to let you take a stab at it again. Who do you want to go with next? Kind of like the order we're going in right now. I don't want to ruin it if you had something else in mind in your queue for what's next. I feel like one of the most recent things that, that, that happened, I mean, there's two very recent things that happened, but one thing that happened over the last day or two. I think we should go into to what happened with Alvin Kamara. That's uh, actually where my mind was going, so I guess we're on the same track here. So Alvin Kamara, <laughs> that kind of came out of nowhere, but you knew it was coming. I'm just surprised it happened so late, especially with yeah. guys like Dalvin Cook and you know other guys that are trying to get deals done, like Derrick Henry also. You'd think around that time, too, he'd probably want to be in the discussion also because mm-hmm. um, obviously those guys are setting new markets for the running back position. Um my immediately my immediate thoughts on it is like you knew this was coming and I don't think it was a surprise I'm just surprised like dude right before kickoff seriously this is when we're gonna have contract disputes and you're not showing up to practice and yeah and what made this kind of what made this thing worse is that apparently the Saints according to Justina Anderson reported that they're open to trading him Mm -hmm. um I didn't take the report too seriously because it's like I think everyone's open to trading everyone if the opportunity's there, you know what I mean so I don't think that means much of anything if they were serious and it said they're seriously interested in trading Alvin Kamara, I think we look at some issue. Um, yeah. th- this goes back to the conversation about running backs, right? Um, do you think like people think Alvin Kamara isn't the type of guy to run between the tackles? He's more of like an East and West type guy, get, get some passes out of the backfield and take off for forty yards if that's the case. Um, but I think he can do a little bit of everything and well enough where, if he is healthy, um, he could be a premier back for you and he could be worth that money. But the whole running back conversation overall is do you need to pay somebody $15 million a year to do the things he does? And, you know, you go back to the other guys like McCaffrey and Henry, they could do different things, but depending on the system that you're in and Sean Payton can definitely make Alvin Kamara a superstar for the next couple of years alongside offensive guys like Michael Thomas and stuff like that. But how long does Drew Brees have? You know, if he opens up the field with Michael Thomas and all, and, you know, Emmanuel Sanders that they have now, Traquan Smith, that other guys they have, on the outside, things can open up for pass catching and, you know, and uh, being able to run the ball. And then if their next move is bringing in Jameis or drafting a quarterback, who knows how that can turn out. And you're stuck paying this guy so much money a year. Um, what do you think of this? Is he worth this money? Again, he's in a division. Every time I'm talking to you on the phone, I see the Falcons logo in the back or in the Falcons hat. So it's <laughs> like, think about this from the perspective, like, as a running back and as an organization like the Saints, is it worth it? See, my thing is, uh, in general, I know that this has been more of a more of a recent statement, but a lot of guys that have been getting paid in terms of running backs, it 
more often than not, it's it's not panning out. It's something happens, whether it's injuries or the production just goes down, uh, or whatever the case is. So f- for me, if I'm looking at them, I mean, they just gave Michael Thomas. You know, they're paying him. Drew Brees, if he sticks around, they're probably going to take him year by year. Uh, if he wants to, kind of doing like you know what Larry Fitzgerald is doing, where they take it by by year and see how they're going to work that out. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some other guys that are going to be coming up that are going to need to get paid. I think it's going to be very hard. And he also does have some injury history. He, he has played, whether it's a couple games, you know, like two, three, four games that he's out, it might not be a significant amount of time, but being out of time, I mean, you're, you're taking the spotlight off of you. And when Mark Ingram left, they brought in Latavius Murray. I mean, obviously you want to have a backup just in case something happens but, I mean, in my eyes, I was just kind of like, oh, well, they're bringing in another running back. And, I mean, Murray is not bad. He's well, not- I never really thought Murray was going to make a significant impact. No, 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 but no, no. the thing I was going to get to with Murray, and I'm glad you brought that up, is that when Alvin Kamara missed time, or I guess it was towards the end of the regular season where they weren't going to play him, he did really, really well. So it's like, what if you take a guy like signing to a small deal that could potentially fill in this role. And we've only seen really one team do this and them do it right. It's because mm-hmm. their system, and I'm talking about the Patriots, right? Mm-hmm. How many other teams are doing that? No, they're probably looking to pay their running back if they're in that opportunity to do so. But I think that um, the Saints are kind of in a weird position too because it's like, you'd think pay him, right? I think Sean Payton is like, I think he'd be like, yeah, absolutely. He deserves this money, and I think I can do a lot with him as a running back. But they're kind of in a spot now where it's like, this is now or never. Because every mm-hmm. single year, they either get to the second round, and that last year, they didn't even get to the second round. They they missed it. Um, so what I'm saying is, if they're looking to win it all this year, do you think they're in a spot where we should pay this guy and I guess worry about this later? Because are, are they really in a spot to be making a move like that or moving on from him and kind of starting from scratch? Or do you think they could plug and play a guy like Latavius Murray or someone on the market looking for a minimum deal, like a guy like Leonard Fournette, who we'll get into a little later, which I don't think he's on their radar, but I don't know. What do you think? Can they plug and play, or do you think they should just pay him and worry about it another time? I I mean, he is a talented player, but I, I just feel like with the way that the markets are going now, and this isn't even just a running back. This is in every position. If you're you know an above-average player and your time comes, you want the money. Right. Uh, you know, there, there's going to be guys like we mentioned, you know, Derek Henry's and, and some other guys out there. Joe Mixon also just recently got a big deal. Almost forgot I mean, about you, that. Yeah. yeah you, you have some of these guys that are getting paid, paid big. And I mean, it's kind of hard. How are you going to convince a guy who's performing and, and doing well each year and say, well, you know, you're not worth that. You, you can't just say that to them. And it gets to the point to where these guys, it, it turns into, well, do they want to play for the team? Or do they want to be getting paid a lot of money? Because I feel like a lot of these situations, you can't get both. In the ideal situation, you know, there, there are players that do get both. But when you're on a team like the, the Saints where they're competitive, they're playing the last couple of seasons, they've been playoff teams, winning the division. You don't do that by paying one or two big guys and, and filling in the rest. So I think it's going to be a tough call to make to, to pay them. So in your personal opinion, and obviously we're looking at this from the outside in and maybe what the team should be thinking, but you, as either a coach or a GM, are you, are you signing them? I, I just I don't think they're going to be able to do it because I think, I think Michael Thomas is more of a weapon for that offense and Drew Brees. For like, also for the long term, if Drew Brees isn't going to be there next year or if he signs like another one year or something like that, right? He signed a one year this offseason. It's like... Uh, I think it was a two year. It was a two year, so he does have another uh, year think, after this year. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, either after the two years, Michael Thomas is still going to be there. But again, it's the wear and tear of the running back. That's mm-hmm. that's that's really the issue. Um, that, that, that is what it's been. I mean, you look at guys... Uh, well, I mean, obviously, one that comes to mind is someone that, that I'm c- close with with my team. They paid Freeman right after the Super Bowl, and he was nowhere near the same running back. He's still Todd looking for Gurley, a job. Todd Gurley got paid big money, nowhere near the same running back because of injury history. I mean, you can't blame the guys. It's not their fault. Uh, but, you know, it, it's just it happens. It's the position they're in. They, they get too much wear and tear, as you mentioned, on their bodies to where they cannot keep performing, getting that many touches, that many – looks a game it's it's just they take too much of a beating i feel like in reality they're gonna, gonna just pay him i mean he's returning to practice so i guess contract mm-hmm. negotiations have to be going somewhat well if he's willing to come back it's also yeah. kind of crunch time right now where you got about a week until kickoff and mm-hmm. if he's gonna be he's he's gonna be the starting running back obviously because he is but um 
I think you want to get that all situated. I firmly believe they're going to pay him. I'm not. Sh- I think they're just going to match the number. I don't think it's going to go any far over. Um, hopefully, just hopefully they kind of get this done before the season starts because it won't be a surprise if you know in running backs too, like guys like Le'Veon Bell and and you know Zeke Elliott, they'll just go AWOL for a little bit until mm-hmm. them and their you know the GM and the organization as a whole and their agent kind of figure this whole thing out. I don't know if Kamara is like that. You kind of saw it in Zeke and Le'Veon Bell that they kind of have that that attitude where it's like, if you get me taken care of, I'll come back. But as of right now, um, that's not the case for me. He, Kamara kind of seems like I'll put my head down and go to work. And obviously you see his workout videos and stuff like that, where it's like, he's just focused on playing football. So I don't know yeah. if he's actually going to leave like out of nowhere, but um, hopefully they get this thing done. I think they're going to sign. him. I think they're going to match the number, maybe even a million less. I think he'll take what he could get. I don't know if he's going to fight that hard. Because the yeah, run, a lot of running backs are getting paid for going in between the tackles and stuff like that, which again, like I said earlier, he can do. But I think a Derrick Henry contract being paid that much, and he took a lot less, it's still worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Derrick Henry, in my opinion, he he could have gotten more, but they didn't give it to him. So I mean, at that point, I'm assuming he was more of like, look, I just kind of want to be with the team. I enjoy what's going on, and then we'll go from there. So sticking to the topic of running backs, let's get into Leonard Fournette, something that kind of came out of nowhere this week. Um, the Jaguars decided to release um, Leonard Fournette. Um, they said, Apparently it was announced by Doug Marone that they tried to trade him, uh, and that didn't happen because he said yeah. they couldn't get anything. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of this release? We knew something was coming. We, I guess everyone kind of thought if he was going to get out of there, it would be for a trade. But an outright release for a team that is rebuilding, and that was your fourth overall pick, I believe, in his draft class. So that's a big blow. And apparently they're leading the league in dead money, which is around like $40 million or something like that. Yeah. So they're already in a rough position. I think they're kind of uh, you know, using that as their identity right now. It's like, we, we already know. It's like not a surprise to us. We know we're not going to go anywhere this year. Um, but you get rid of a guy who you expected to kind of make noise this year and probably become a free agent the following year because they declined his fifth-year option, but they just let him go a full year early without even getting his pads on for week one. So what do you think of this move by the Jags? Again, another one that I I was working, not paying attention, and I think this one was a little bit earlier on in the morning. Um, So I I did have a little bit of time to look it over, and I was very surprised by this because I did figure they were going to trade him, they were going to get something out of it, not just completely cut ties with him. They said Um, nothing. At all. Yeah, and, and and it's just been – I feel like this has been the trend, though, with that team, with the Jaguars. I feel like recently just the players do not want to play for them, and they've voiced their opinions. They've made it known they don't want to play for them. And I don't know if it's, you know, the ownership. I know that that's been questioned at times. Um, the, the, the lead, like the, the GMs, the coaches and all that. I, it, It's just surprising. I, I feel like that was something that – you know, some of these moves have just come out of nowhere. As you mentioned, there, there were talks that he wasn't happy with, with being there, and, and they didn't they declined the fifth-year option and so forth. But I didn't think before the season they were just going to drop him. I think it happened a little late because you kind of already saw last year he did a couple things that probably would have warranted him not getting the fifth-year option picked up or possibly getting traded. And, not, I mean, they did decline the fifth-year option. You mm-hmm. think it's like, all right, let's – kind of run the mileage up on this guy for our last year. We at least want to do somewhat well. we got Gardner Minshew. We don't have to worry about, you know, like some quarterbacks going back and forth between him and Nick Foles. This is our guy now. He's going to develop with Leonard Fournette, at least for the time being, and then we'll build the team around him. But now it's kind of – I don't even like their backfield right now. And They signed Chris Thompson. Obviously, Jay Gruden is their offensive mm-hmm. coordinator, so they've worked together. They have Raquel Armstead. I don't know how well he's going to do, and then I don't even know – how much farther back in that depth chart I can go, but that's a pretty def- tough position to be in. I honestly think the the Jags are kind of just start, like waving the white flag, throwing it in the towel, yeah. and it's like if we can just clean everybody out and start from scratch, which they're in a good position to start again. Um, that's good because uh, I don't know. It's just have you ever seen a team have such giant highs signing free agents to to nice deals? They have young guys developing. Then out of nowhere, you have guys like reti- retiring like Telvin Smith. You have Anik Ngakwe who wants out of there, who can't get a long-term deal. Um, Clayus Campbell, who I believe, he, was he he was traded, correct, to the Ravens? I believe so. Yeah, and then he goes over there, and that's a team that's already competing. And then I could 
keep on going. Their but, whole uh, defense is pretty much it's different. It's gone. I, I think I, I remember seeing a report. Maybe I could find it. But it was like their last couple of drafts, and like none of them are on the team right now. Yeah, they've just been having major issues with with their teams and then keeping guys around. And it's really ever since that, that uh, AFC championship game where they lost, it's just been going way downhill for them. You kind of couldn't really ask for a better spot to be in in terms of trying to rebuild the team, though, because we're talking about a guy like Gardner Minshew, and I was thinking about this today, and I'm glad we finally got to it, is that I firmly believe if this kid can make some sort of noise like he did last year, he's going to be their saving grace for this team. Mm -hmm. And they can actually make the decision like this guy's the guy we're going to move forward with because now they can get an offensive line for him, which is already pretty decent. Um, Yeah. Get some weapons for him, which are already pretty decent. What do they got? DJ Chark, they just signed. Tyler Eifert as a tight end. If he could stay healthy, he can do well. They have D.D. Westbrook, right? They have Keelan Cole still, I believe. I believe so. So they got some depth there. They've never Mm -hmm. had a wide receiver one, but I think DJ Chark could be that guy this year. So we're talking about a guy who is already set up in a pretty decent position, obviously losing that position at running back. That probably could have helped them a little bit. Um, Defense is going to be awful, so you're going to see that offense really be – um, moving, or else uh, you know they're not going to go much of anywhere this year. But if they, if Gardner Minshew could be the light of this team, they're in probably one of the best positions to rebuild. Yeah, I mean that was their main issue in the AFC Championship game. Their main issue was their defense was phenomenal, uh, and Blake Bortles just couldn't get it done. At the very end, he just couldn't get it done. Um, so then that's when it all turned out into all right. Are we going to keep Bortles? What's the what's the plan? Um, do we need to move on and get somebody else that's going to really get us over that hump? And uh, at that that moment, at that time, they decided to stick with Bortles, um, and now we know obviously that didn't pan out. But they were right there. All they needed was just a little bit more help on that offense, and then they were set. And they went from being contenders, you know, maybe two years ago to now maybe last place in their division, maybe one of the bottom five teams. It's It's insane. So back to Leonard Fournette, right? What's the future like for him? Um, because obviously the Jags have their own plans for the rest of their time being. But now Leonard Fournette actually has an opportunity to sign with whatever team he so chooses to go to. I don't think it's going to be the most massive deal in the world. I think he's going to have to work for it now, which is the only downfall of that um, decision to release him is that he's probably going to sign a one-year deal. That's probably close to $10 million, uh, maybe a little less than that. Um, the teams I heard that were interested were the Patriots and the Buccaneers. I'm not sure what mm-hmm. other teams were interested, um, but what do you think of those potential destinations, or do you think he's a better fit in some other organization? I mean, the Patriots just love their running backs, so I wouldn't really be surprised with that. And they love their kind of situation where, oh, we'll sign you to a one-year deal. We don't we get you cheap and just kind of see what we could do with you. Uh, and, and then the Buccaneers, um, I mean, I know that they've, that's kind of been one of their weak points is running back. Cause when you look at that offense, their receivers are, their duo is great. They got Tom Brady. They have Gronk now as a tight end. It's great. Their offensive line is not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. Um, so their running back is really their weak point. So it, it would definitely be, uh, you know, that definitely would help that offense. Um, I feel like that would move them to the next step. Uh, but I, cause I remember when, when, Freeman first became a free agent. I said, he's going to go to the Bucks and he's going to screw us, and I can just see it happen. I'm still surprised he's not signed to them. I thought I, that I, I, know. I, And they come out and say they signed LeSean McCoy. I'm like, are you kidding? Yeah. Well, because the rumors around Freeman were that he was looking for too much money. Teams didn't want to pay him. But, you know, where I was going with that was that the Bucks did need help, and they still do need help at running back because McCoy is a great running back. But he's just not the running back he was a couple of years ago to where, you know, you look at him on the roster, and, and you're scared he's going to just break out. He's he's more of a more of that guy that'll come off the bench for you. He's not going to be that lead back anymore. He hasn't been like that in the last couple of years. That's so. why I think Ronald Jones is still going to be their number one guy. So it's like you still need help there. Ronald Jones yeah, could be a do. phenomenal number two. I still think he could carry the team as a, their number one running back. I just don't think the confidence is there in Bruce Arians. And even the year before that, when I think he was a rookie, I think this would be his third year now. So when he was a rookie, they would just kind of ch- like just chalk him from the lineup and have him as like a what was it like he's just he just wouldn't suit up. That's pretty mm-hmm. much. And so like I think they spent like a third, fourth round on him, if I'm not mistaken. So it's like I feel like you should still give him a chance. But if they are still looking for the opportunity to get 
um, a guy that can make an impact right away and have Ronald Jones be that number two because I'm sure they, they'll they're I'm pretty sure they're complacent with moving him aside if someone could can come through. Um, so I think that would be a decent destination for him. I don't know how much. I don't know. I just I you want to think that that would be a good decision for them to bring him in. I guess it's just depending on how much money he'll be asking for, which I don't think will be a lot. I think he'll take what he can get. He's like, I just want to play football, and we have less than a week until then. Yeah. So I need to get signed now. I truthfully think uh, he is kind of think, thinking of like his his devilish plans on going to New England because I think he'll get some significant opportunities there because um, what's kind of Leonard Fournette's track record on being injured? There's not a lot, right? Uh, not too much. I know that there was, uh, it may have been last year. He was injured for like a few games and then how long he's been in the league. This is his fourth year. I believe so. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Cause they have year, the, they have the fifth year option. That they're not yeah. So I, I know last year he was hurt a couple games, but I know there was one year. It might've been a two or three years ago where he, he had, he had like decent, an ankle injury or yeah, something like that. He was getting hurt. He was out for a, a decent amount of the season, but um, I mean, he's been he's been an interesting back. But I feel like he fits the system more so with the Patriots because it's like he'll put his head down and run right through you. Um, we've mm-hmm. seen him jump over offense like offensive and defensive lines before to jump into the end zone over there in Jacksonville. But he does have some breakaway speed if you need him to do that. But if you need him to gain a couple yards on third down, um, he could do it. And especially at the goal line where the Patriots thrive off using their running backs. As of right now. It doesn't seem like they're too confident in, in Sony Michelle, even though they took him first round not that long ago. Helped them win a Super Bowl. James White is kind of a staple there as their pass catching back. They have Damian Harris, who is like the third string running back. Then they have Rex Burkhead, who acts as James White. Um, if, so they kind of have a 1A, 1B when it comes to guys who pass catch. Um, I think he'll fit perfectly over there in New England if he does end up going there. And that would be the ultimate Belichick move to get Leonard Fournette. I think they could use him. But again, if he's looking for somewhere long term, uh, maybe the Bucks would be a great decision to mm-hmm. make there. And and I don't know if they're going to offer you that much money. Patriots, I don't think they're going to offer that much money either. But at least he kind of has the idea that if Cam does go off, it's Belichick. He has the credibility of one of the greatest head coaches in NFL history and football in general. He still possibly could get us to win the division and make a playoff run. So. But then you have the same situation with the Bucks as well, where they could possibly make a playoff run too. But that's a division that's much, much tougher, and it could mm-hmm. it could be a year where everyone is hyping up the Bucks and they end up not doing as well as people think. So it's like, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's uh, kind of uh, he's looking for a way to prove that he could be on a team and put in some good numbers for them. And we've seen how he could prove that. Um, I think the issues that were lying with Jacksonville were that. Um, he just made some poor decisions and, you know, like team decisions that they didn't like. Um, I remember he like didn't show up to like a photo day or something like that. And they ended up like, like uh, suspending him from like team activities or something like that. So it's like, it's, it's that type of thing that ruins his credibility. But I think the Patriots is, is probably a great way to prove that if he only spends a year there, he could get a pretty solid deal somewhere else. And I think that's the perfect place to go if, if it were up to me, but where do you think he fits best? I think uh, I, I think the Bucks need more of the help, but I think you know the the Pats will find a way to get him. Probably, probably less money than we anticipate. It'll yeah. be like, well, how would you take that? It's just the Patriots have a way of uh, negotiations. Um, what is uh, the next thing we should cover here? Well, I think we should just. I think it's only fair to start going towards the Giants. We got we got to talk about their big day. Dude, uh, I was trying to push that as far back as we could because I know there was probably bigger and better things to talk about, but I feel like there's a large chunk of the Giants I do want to talk about. So we'll talk about their big week in terms of signings and on top of that, how their camp is going because there have been a lot of rumors floating around about you know what's going on in uh, their locker room. But let's start with uh, their big signing in uh, Logan Ryan, right? Um, very unexpected. Um, if you were to ask me as a Giant fan if he was actually going to come here, I would say no. I remember, I'm surprised Mark doesn't remember this, but a while back, he's our delusional Giants fan if no one knows because he thinks they make the playoffs every year. He was like, oh, dude, what if Logan Ryan comes? I'm like, there's no possible way he comes because the Jets were eyeing him and they wanted to sign him to a big deal, and that doesn't end up happening. 
Um, he ended up being a free agent longer than I would have thought. We're talking about a two-time mm-hmm. Super Bowl champion um, with the Pats, and he has some great years with the Titans as well. I remember him more as probably a Titan than a Patriot, if you were to ask me, even though he did yeah. win those Super Bowls. But he did have some great years in Tennessee as well. And now he comes back home. I think he played at Rutgers in college. Yeah. And that's kind of where he's at in his career right now. He's like, I want to come home and play from, you know, play for the Giants. And, you know, it's kind of like that hometown thing. It's like when you go later in your career, you just kind of want to go back home and, and ball out any way you can. And this is interesting. The Giants have never really had a giant free agent signing kind of like that. And I think getting them on that one year deal probably is the perfect storm for them because they signed James Bradbury to that three-year deal in the offseason. So that's a big help for, for a corner because they did struggle last year with their young corners. And now DeAndre Baker is looking to get released from the Giants very shortly. They bring in Logan Ryan now, um, who can play safety also. So it's like you kind of have some depth there. And this is the first time I felt good about Giants corners in a very long time. And it's finally like a big name wants to come to the Giants. And we're talking about a team that is starting from scratch again brand new head coach and you got young guys maybe like one or two veterans there and it's like you're not expecting much from them in that division this year and logan thomas and i mean logan ryan i'm sorry uh comes in and that's he's probably gonna make hopefully a big impact and so i'm a big fan of that signing and i can't wait to see how it unfolds with their defense because they're slowly but surely getting better as a defense, but that's there's a lot of areas of concern, but that I feel like the defense has been called out a lot more than a lot of what their other struggles are because you got you got young guys like on the offense like Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and they'll eventually come around. Their offensive line is trash, but it's like uh, you know you got to start somewhere, and I think they're going in the right direction as a defense. Yeah, I was definitely uh, surprised, like you said, the Giants don't make a lot of those free agent moves, uh, these big splash moves. It's not something that they've been doing, at least not for the the last few years. So when I did see that, I was like, okay, okay, you know, they got Bradbury now that now they have him, they have Jabril back there, um, you know, McKinney when when he decides when he's back and healthy. That was a big weapon. blow, big blow. The Logan Ryan signing definitely helped that, like ease the pain of that. But big, big blow there. Yeah, so it's definitely going to be interesting to see how this team performs. Uh, as you mentioned, the defense was their major issue last year. Their offense was not wasn't amazing, but they were not bad. They, no. they definitely were not bad. So, you know, fixing the offensive line, they they drafted and then they're getting some guys on the offensive line. Fixing the defense, it's the, the direction you want them to be going if you're a Giants fan. Absolutely. So let's talk about the Giants as a whole right now. And um, I'm sure a lot of people have heard some rumblings about this. Some people may not care as much because it's like, again, it's a young, young up-and-coming team. But we're from, you know, the New York, New Jersey, like metropolitan area, right? We're only 10 minutes away from MetLife where we live. So it's like it's hard not to talk about. But it's also a real big thing in the league right now because it's like um, Giants are – a team that should be succeeding every year, but again, you you revert back to it being a New York team, and a lot of a lot of New York teams, not even in just football as a like just that sport, other sports as well aren't good. So you're trying to see something something moving. The Jets have kind of you know sparked um, some excitement here and there, but they bring in a new head coach again. Uh, they had McAdoo, they had Shermer. Um, both didn't work, and now they go to Joe Judge, rookie head coach, 38 years old. Those are the special teams coordinator in New England. Um, New England has a reputation of coaches leaving, taking a head coaching job, and usually it doesn't work out. Um, We'll Mm -hmm. have to see how this pans out. But Joe Judge, the big topic of discussion here because um, people are saying that, you know, he's a little bit too hard-nosed. He's making coaches and players run laps. Um, He's getting after Saquon at practice, like kind of like setting setting the tone that – I'm not going to take any crap from any of you guys, and if I can, if I'm able to yell at my best guy and Saquon, um, any of you guys can be disciplined as well. You know, I hear rumblings about team meetings running for too long, because everyone has to stay for those. And I think where it all stems from is that, you know, first thing he's never coached before, but he says that he wants to do things his own way, which is fine. Um, but there's the there's kind of like a line between players and coaches where it's like, is this a partnership or is this like, are we being coached? Because we're talking about grown men. These are grown young men who are getting paid millions of dollars. So should you treat it more like a partnership? Or do you think his method of coaching is going to 
you know, light a fire under their, under their asses a little bit, because here's the thing, right? They're all really young, like I mentioned before. So it's like, and they haven't won anything. So if you, if he's coaching the way he does now, do you think it makes a significant impact? Or do you think that, you know, doing it like a partnership, like Kyle Shanahan would say with the Niners, is that more effective or is the way he's doing it effective? How are you seeing it from the outside in? Not as a fan of the Giants, which I am, and a lot of people in our area are. For you, just hearing the hearing everything on Sports Center or any other sports alley you can get, what are you? What what were your thoughts on all those reports? I mean, obviously, when you look at some reports, it's not going to tell the whole story. Uh, but when I'm reading some of the reports, it, it does get me a little nervous because I feel like when you do try to take things that way where you're trying to be, as you mentioned, making them run laps and, and calling them out in practices and so forth. Oh, taking I mean, the names off of the back of their jerseys and stuff yeah, like that I mean, too. Yeah. I mean, obviously you, you want to fix errors and that's what practice is for because when you get to the games, you want to make sure you could be as perfect as possible and that's really how you're going to get the wins. Breaking and, news here real quick. Sorry to cut you off. We were just talking about it a second ago, so I figured it would be – uh, very timely to talk about it, but Ian Rappaport just tweeted, former Jags running back Leonard Fournette is planning to sign with the Bucks, uh, per him and Tom Pelissero. Uh He will be mm. signing with the Bucks now, uh, tweeted Adam Schefter just now. Wow. wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought that he fit the best there, like I said. I thought he was going to end up with the, with the Pats, though, but I thought the best fit for him was the Bucks because they really needed him. So yeah, another NFL update tweets are expected to sign former Jags for net. So that's pretty much all we have right now. No number just yet. That's kind of what I've been waiting yeah. for. Um, probably should be a one-year minimum deal. But um, yeah, you know, you that's a good team to be on if you're Leonard Fournette. I just kind of saw it for as from the Patriots standpoint, the way they run things in their backfield probably would have been a good fit. But I, you know, how can you be mad him signing with the Bucks, a team that is looking to make some noise this year? It's one of those teams, and I know they're in my division, so I can't really say too much, but this has the feel of, like, the, the Browns. When the Browns got all... That's why Adele. it's like, don't don't hop on that hype train too that's, quickly. That's what I'm saying. It's like when they, had, they got Odell and Jarvis, and then Nick Chubb was there, and Baker Mayfield, and everyone's like, oh, wow, this team is going to be great. And then, like, they were nowhere near great. They well, were now good. now would be a good time to hop on the, on the Browns hype train, because I love their yes. head coach. They're starting everything from scratch with their GM, so it's kind of like... Now I could see the ball starting to move there, but with the Bucks now, people I feel like people want to jump on the hype train before it even starts. So it's like, you know, be, be careful there because you don't know what's going to happen. And now this is a tough division. I mean, the Browns are in a tough division anyway, but you're kind of expecting him to lose, and a little bit of hype could uh, make some people upset. So, so this has absolutely nothing to do with anything we were talking about. Okay, go I'm for just, it. I'm I'm just looking at Twitter because we were, I was looking up the reports now. Yeah. And, and the, the Baltimore Ravens tweeted out no jokes here, and it's a highlight tape of J.K. Dobbins. And J.K. Dobbins tweets back at it, and he goes, name is J.K., but I am not just kidding. That's kind of corny. <laughs> I, just, I just thought I, it was funny. You know, what I think, you know what I think that is? I think he's trying to make a, a kind of move to sell some merch. Yeah, just like uh, you know, know, now we got Big we got Trust and, and Metcalf. And- with the decaf Metcalf. <laughs> decaf Metcalf. I would make a coffee company out of that. He should should. He, I don't know if he is jumping on that, but he should. I don't um, know. But listen, if you got if you got big trust and just kidding in there, not just kidding, <laughs> that'd be a little fun duo there. Um. Anyways, back to the Joe Judge thing. Sorry to cut you off. That was a uh, a big no, little no, no. Schefter bomb there. Yeah, but I mean, kind of going with what I was saying was that I, I feel like it's. It's a tough way way to go down because you need to call these people out. You need to make you need to fix the errors because that's what practice is for. And the the more you prepare and the the better you get in practice, it's going to translate in games. And they haven't had many winning seasons recently, so obviously there's been a lot of errors and you need to correct those. Uh, but but I, I feel like you know you're playing a, a tough a tough game there because. You know, I, I feel like it gets to a point to where certain players you're you're not gonna have you might lose the locker room because they might start to get annoyed. They might think this, this guy's just you know being a jerk to us. He's he's calling us out. He's making us do all this this crap. And it's like you know I, I get the point. I get what he's doing, but I feel like it, it can only go so far because I feel like if you if he pushes it, 
you might go too far, step out of line, and now you're starting to lose the players, and you never want that as a coach. You don't want that, but again, these guys are very young, so it's like, can you kick them into shape by doing some stuff like this? And he's got to earn the respect of these guys. He's a rookie head coach, so it's like, and they know, don't act like they don't know that. Uh, they they know it's like he hasn't head coached a team before, so if they could stomp all over him, that's already bad news already. And you, I feel like you'd rather want him, like. You'd rather want the news you're hearing right now about him and the rumblings about him going a little too hard because it's like, what else are you going to do as a rookie coach? You know, these guys are young, but they're not stupid. They know exactly what's going on. So I feel like he was able to kick him in the shape, um, getting ready for the season. Maybe he could be going a little hard. I don't know. From You know, you don't hear much from players. They're not going to say stuff like that already this early. Um, but this goes into, like, it was this worth it if they start off the season, like, like two two wins in the first six weeks or something like that, or like the first Which, eight weeks. That's, that's a very realistic thing. Looking at their schedule, it is tough at the beginning. It is tough at the beginning. So it's like, if this is already expected, I'm sure people are already planning the narrative like, oh, we shouldn't be making these people run laps and getting after Saquon in practice and holding these guys accountable and like running them into the ground and stuff like that. It's like, this is already expected that they're going to lose. Yeah. Right. So, like, yeah. I, I hope that doesn't become a narrative. I feel like, for me personally, I think he's doing an okay job. Um, what really turned me over was that video yesterday on uh, on the Giants page that went around the internet too of of them doing that. I heard it was a rookie drill where they kind of just like help. Like, it's like it's a drill to pick up, like, help. <clears throat> sorry, get a fumble. <laughs> <laughs> that was an awkward time to burp. Um, but it's, it's pretty much recover a fumble. So they pretty much they would wet the ground in dirt and then try to get the ball. As it, as it, everyone knows, trying to get a football off the ground as it's moving and rolling is very tough because it could move absolutely anywhere. It could be going north and just all of a sudden go right behind you because it bounced a different way. Um, and they were kind of – they. it was a rookie drill. So they were like, hey, he's a rookie coach. Why doesn't he get in on this drill? And you see him diving for the ball, and they're excited for him. So it's like, are they turning to him? I think that was a good move because mm-hmm. it's like, dude, you love those types of videos and coaches get involved. And we're we're talking about like Mike v- Mike Vrabel being that type of coach too. He's a player's mm-hmm. coach where he's getting involved in drills. It's like, you love that kind of guy. So we can't really say much about Joe Judge right now. We'll see what happens. Like, listen, when week one comes and I see on ESPN or Sports Center that like oh, what was this play? What was that play? It's like, he's a brand new head coach. You're not expected to win. It's like, I don't know. You, you know the narratives are going to switch because like in the New York market, um, reporters and the media are going to get after Judge as much as they can, which I feel like he's handling the media pretty well, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would say that too. I think, uh, I mean, he's been under Belichick and he also was under Nick Saban at one point too, who were both phenomenal coaches, have great history. Uh, so you know that's always good when you have when you have a coach coming from from those coaching trees. That that's always a good thing. But as you did mention, a lot of the coaches that are coming from Belichick recently have not had a lot of success on their no, own. No, so that's scary. But I'm telling you that one vote for special teams coach of the year that we talked about earlier on this podcast, like months and months ago, um, that's definitely a good thing to have on your resume. And also <laughs> in that video that went around of him, of like Judge and like Belichick talking to refs together and being like, what was that call? Like, what's going on here? It's like, you can tell this guy has a, a leadership um, value in him that I don't think Shermer and McAdoo had. You're not going to see Shermer and McAdoo getting on drills. Like McAdoo will probably, I mean, I forgot McAdoo's in Jacksonville. <laughs> I forgot oh, about yeah. that. And we're talking about Shermer, who's going to be a great offensive coordinator um, in Denver. He's probably got the perfect pieces there to work. And I, wish nothing but the best for him there because some people and i've heard this on a different podcast some people are not fit to play batman and they could just they're better off as robin and we've seen that with the browns too and freddie kitchens where some people get promoted way too quickly and that's the position he was in um but you know uh hopefully jason garrett can open things up for them offensively too because if daniel jones doesn't take the next step up this season um there's going to be a lot tossed on him i think as a second year quarterback a lot of second year quarterbacks make big leaps and we're already talking about guys like kyler murray going to be in the mvp discussion so i think if daniel jones can make some noise there and hopefully joe judge doesn't hold them back i think they're going to run the hell out of the ball this year um i would just keep the fumbles to a minimum please i want to see some improvement if the numbers go down by just a little bit we got something going right head coach in there nothing to worry about um, so enough about the Giants here. Uh, 
I want to talk about just to kind of, I guess we'll wrap up on this or um, if there's another couple things you want to talk about, we'll get into it. But uh, the Roger Goodell thing, you want to go into that, you know, with fans in the stands and having a minimum capacity, some stadiums not having fans in the stadium. So do you want to get into that? How is that uh, brought forth and what's like the news surrounding that? Sure. So the, as I mean, you've probably seen it and all the listeners have probably seen as well. There some stadiums are, are coming out and saying no fans at all. Some are saying certain restrictions, you know, maybe 20,000, 12,000, a certain percentage of whatever they can hold in that stadium uh, so that they can be socially distancing and so forth. Uh, so I, I think the, the interesting question here is going to be, well, there are teams that are going to be allowing fans in the stands and some teams aren't. Is there going to be some sort of advantage to those teams that are having these fans in the stands? And, you know, is, is it unfair to the teams that are taking, you would say, more aggressive approaches to try to stop the spread of the coronavirus and so forth? Are they going to be penalized because they don't have that fan crowd noise and, and so forth? And this was uh, all brought up by Roger Goodell saying that there is yes. no difference in advantage whether you have fans in the stands or you do not. The big argument is that people say there is a big advantage to that. So I want to get your standpoint on that and I'll give mine. Yeah, so I think uh, I think having fans in general is gonna is gonna make a difference. It's gonna you know it'll get the the players if you know they're tired, they're they're it's a, a tough fought game and they don't you know it's getting down to the edge. That fan noise, that support might just get them to to keep playing and just keep pounding on. But I, I feel like it's in, on the other ends. A lot of times you see you know there are notorious stadiums. You know you have New Orleans, you have Seattle, you have Kansas City to where when when the other team's offense is on the field. They're loud and banging, and, and the offenses they can't hear, and it's hard to communicate. Even if there's fans in the stands, you're not going to have that issue because with the, the amount of people that are there, it's going to be nowhere near the normal capacity. So I don't think that's going to be as much of uh, you know coming down to it, but I think it's going to be more so when you have somebody cheering you on, you have the team there, and you're, you feel like you're playing for something more than just your, your teammates and yourself. I, I feel like that's more of a motivator as well. Uh, I'm going to say this, right? So – I'm kind of in your boat a little bit in saying that it does make a significant difference if the stadium is full. But if you do have a minimum capacity, say, like what, 25% they said they were going to do or something along those lines, it's not going to, it's still going to be different because originally it's like you weren't going to play in front of fans. Now some teams are going to play in front of a little bit of fans. But notice every single year, teams are sold out at home games every year. People love football, people have season tickets. And the stadium is full. So if you're playing in a stadium that doesn't have any fans versus playing in a stadium that has 25% capacity of fans, it's still going to be significantly different. And I I don't think um, the level of play is going to change as much. Um, If you have home, like home fans, like at minimum capacity, you know, screaming and chanting, I don't think it's going to make that big of a difference in those terms. But it, I think I think this is where kind of Roger Goodell was take, like misquoted a little bit or misunderstood. If you're talking about a stadium full of fans, it makes a huge difference. Because you remember that old video? What game was that? Where like uh, the ref would be like, uh, I can't hear like anything. So like, can you guys oh, shut yeah. up or something like that? And they and they just got louder and louder, and they just yeah. kept telling Warren's like, I can't hear anything. Like, please stop. So it's like fans make a difference from that standpoint. They can make noise. They can intimidate you. They can make the other teams nervous. They, when they cheer you on, it can really get your adrenaline pumping. That makes a big difference. But in terms of the conditions we're living in right now because of COVID-19, I think whether if you have a little bit of amount of, little bit of fans versus having no fans, it's not going to make that big of a difference. It will be nice having a bit of fans in the stands as opposed to nothing because having nothing is going to be very odd to these players to begin with. But we're talking about guys that are working out in hot summertime. They have a bunch of scrimmages, and you know they're playing with nobody in the stands there. And maybe at you know Giants training camps and stuff like that, you'll have people out there you're like cheering you on and stuff like that. It will suck for players who kind of feed off that, right? But I think um, they're really going to be able to lock in and focus on the game by not having fans in the stands. It will be weird at first. The first couple weeks, we're going to hear every single thing they say, which is going to be very, very important. Um, you know, to the media and us as to like how we feel about 
um, teams, like what's the rapport with the head coaches and what's going on on the field. And we could already hear teams now. We're talking about Matt mm-hmm. Ryan, who's cussing out loud, and we can hear him. And it, even if they're not mic'd up, you could just hear him. So I can only imagine what we're going to see this year. But you have it depends how you really look at it. I believe fans make a huge, huge difference. So if you had the decision to have – like this is obviously a hypothetical, which I hate doing. But if you have a stand, if you have stands full of people, and you had that opportunity to do that, which the NFL obviously wants to do, and everyone wants to do, but you can't, that would be a significant difference for both teams, as opposed to having none, where I don't think like it makes a big difference because you don't have any of those crowd reactions or people screaming or just that ambiance in general. I don't think crowd noise really fills the void at all. Um, no. I mean, you watch these baseball games and the basketball games. It's like, this doesn't feel like it's to the point where NBA actually had to put virtual fans in the stands because it's like, you can have the noises, but it's not going to do much for you, you know? So that's kind of where I stand on that. Yeah. It's definitely going to be an interesting year seeing how it goes. Um, I, I, that's why I think the, the factor when you take out some of the fans, or the as much of the impact of what fans can bring to the game, I think you're going to see a very interesting season. I, I think some of these teams, you know, you look back in the last couple of years and, and you see some similarities, you know, two, three, four teams in the last couple of years consistently making the playoffs. I feel like you're going to see a little bit more of these, uh, you know, wild card teams that come out of nowhere because uh, just the weird circumstances that have been going on with, with COVID-19 and so forth. So, you know, everybody's in a weird situation. Everybody's training differently. Everybody's practicing differently. Games. Everyone's going to have to get used to that. So I'm saying, like, if everyone's already used to fans, everyone's going to have to get used to having no fans, too. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, how big of a difference is it going to make? Everyone's got to get accumulated somehow. Yeah. One more thing I wanted to mention. I almost forgot about it. I should have brought it up a little earlier because it was recent news and kind of shocking news that your boy, Mo Sanu, you know, Jersey native, was uh, on the uh, Falcons team that made it all the way to the Super Bowl. Um, who eventually got traded for a second-round pick over two of the Patriots just got released today. What were your thoughts on that? I was a little surprised because, like, when we talk about the Patriots recently, all we talk about is, like, who are their receivers? I mean, they had, they just got Nikhil Harry, who didn't do much last year. Obviously, they have Edelman. But then I remember in the podcast last time, we were talking about, like, Jacoby Myers. Like, they just they didn't have many people. Philip Dorsett, I think, was a guy at one point. I mean, it, it's just, like... You know, I, I was kind of like, all right. I mean, he didn't do great for him last year when he played for them. There wasn't much production. From what I was reading, he wasn't doing much in camp this year. So I guess that's just something they decided they, uh, you know, they decided to move on from. But I was a little surprised just because he, they don't have much of a receiving threat. But so. think about this, though. Cam didn't have much of a receiving threat when he made it all the way to the Super Bowl, right? And you're going under a system that was probably way better than the system he was in even back then in his MVP season. Um, is he going to be MVP caliber like he was that year? Probably not. That probably helped his case a little bit. But he didn't have the best wide receivers there, like, at all. And if you're able to make it that far with the receivers you have, listen, you can run as much as you can, but you still need some weapons to help you out. And I feel like his supporting cast back then, I don't think it was even as good as to what he has now. We're talking about Julian Edelman, who's pretty solid, who he's been working out with ever since, he, like, the second he got signed. Nikhil Harry, hopefully, if he stays healthy, you know, is a young guy who can probably – you know, build a rapport with Cam Newton. Um, and the rest of their guys are definitely low, more low-tier guys, but I think you can make it work, all things considered, if you could, if you could, they could stay healthy. But you're right. It's not the biggest threat in terms of wide receivers. Um, but he's Cam's just going to have to make the most of that. It's just It's definitely a shocking move that they made. I think it was probably a bigger mistake than anything, giving up a second rounder to get him yeah. in the first place. That's pretty tough. But since when has Belichick really ever cared about that? Not really. Um, very weird move. Not sure how yeah, I feel I mean, about that. That that's the thing. I mean, when you look at it, you figured they they got they, they got rid of a second round pick. You figured they wouldn't use him for a small portion of the season, half the season, whatever it was last year, and then just get rid of him. I mean, you know, I, I know it's the Patriots, and everybody jokes, "Oh, Bill Belichick could go find a guy at like Foot Locker and turn him into an All Pro." But like, it's getting to the point to where it's like, all right, you don't want to just be throwing around these picks, and no. and, and you 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 then essentially wasted a second round pick. Like, I feel like you should have at least tried. I mean, what he he wasn't getting paid that much. It wasn't like 
you know, oh, he's getting he, – he got taken – they took over this massive salary cap hit, and, and, you know, now he's done. I mean, they didn't have an incredible amount to work with. So, at worst case, you know, maybe try him out. And then, then if, if it's not working out during the season, then before the trade deadline, maybe try something. But try to get something. And you got, you got rid of a second-round pick. Tough. Um, real quick thing here, too, because I almost forgot. Because I said I was going to mention it a little later, but I remember, uh, the news came out. Um, I believe it was this week or last week, if I'm not mistaken. I feel like it happened more recently than not. But the whole Jer- Derwin James situation, he just went through yeah. a successful surgery today on a torn meniscus. He's expected to make a full recovery, not sure by when. Um, but he is going to be injured. We're talking about a Chargers team where defensively they got names. On paper, they're really, really good. In a tough division, of course, but they could still make some noise there. Um, they lose Derwin James again, who I think has missed two years now, if anything. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a very, very tough loss. Um, they got a new situation going on at quarterback where I believe Justin Herbert, I think, is going to start by midseason, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's just going to be a repeat of what happened on the Browns for Tyrod Taylor. He was officially named the starter, I believe, today or, or not that long ago. Um, yeah, it was, it was the other day or today, recently, in the last couple of days. So it's a team finding their footing, but at the same time, it's like they already kind of have it. They just signed Joey Bosa to that massive deal. I think Melvin Ingram, he's, he's either signed or looking for a new deal. I remember something rumbling with him, too. And yeah. again, we mentioned Linville Joseph, who just got signed. So it's like they got a pretty solid defense who they kind of need each and every part, but Derwin James makes some noise. He 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 does, and he's he's a big part of that defense, and big, big blow there. Yeah, I mean, one of the things to talk about is, uh, you know, obviously Jamal Adams is now no longer on the market, but they, the rumbles with, uh, with with Earl Thomas. I forgot about that too. That's tough. Um, I don't know how soon he's probably eventually going to get signed. Um, he's been in some tough scenarios where the team basically voted him out, and then he was eventually released. Um, it, there was rumbling saying that. Uh, Jerry World wanted to uh, sign him to a deal, and he's mm-hmm. there's mutual interest between them, but he said he's not in a rush to grab him either. He's going to find a team eventually, but right now he's in a pretty tough spot. So it's like, yeah, you're talking about a lot of teams that are taking some heavy blows for defenses. Um, but I think losing Derwin James, tough. Earl Thomas, um, we're, I guess we're eventually going to see what happens there. But Yeah, I think, you know... I think he'll get signed in the next couple of days. I think uh, I think what's going to happen with Freeman, honestly, I know we touched briefly on him. I think what's going to happen is there's going to be some guys that are going to go down with injuries or the, you know COVID is going to happen or whatever ends up happening. This is a crazy season, not a normal season. I think he'll eventually get find his way into a team because of an injury or, or some, some situation like that. Um, but I, I don't know if he would be signed within the next couple of days before the season starts. Probably not. We're probably looking at like a mid-season signing. He's probably yeah, going to get accumulated so. and stuff like that. Maybe. We'll have to see how that unfolds. Anyway, anything else you got to add here before we wrap up the show? Definitely a lot of news that came out. Man, we're approaching football season. I am so, so excited. Um, and it's just going to be a, a season to remember because there's going to be a lot of ups and definitely a lot of downs. Let's not forget that definitely happens during an NFL season, but hopefully they get through pretty smoothly in terms of the conditions we're living in under COVID-19. Hopefully testing goes well. Um, They're not in a bubble, but hopefully you guys can stay smart and keep themselves healthy so they can put on a show for us and, you know, entertain us in this time of need too because these guys are getting paid millions and obviously they want to put on a show and, you know, help their fans out, but there's a lot of guys – you know, people in general in the real world who are just looking to see some football. Like, sports coming back in general was huge because of the long pause we took, but football is America's sport, man. People don't, hopefully, people are really hoping nothing happens to, to football, so. Yeah, I mean, the the one last thing that I want to add, just, just Go on, for it. On, on more of a funny note, it, it's pretty funny. This is one of our shorter episodes ever, by the way, and it feels like, you know, but... I, I, I just I was thinking, uh, you know, this is very minor, not very significant. Okay. But when uh, when everybody started to report back to camp and so forth, and the Titans were just like, "Yeah, we don't know where Vic Beasley is." He oh my god, us. dude, that was so funny! <laughs> I can't believe we didn't talk about that a little more. He finally showed back up, and I think how much did he lose? Like a couple million? He he, he lost like at least half a million, at least. It was it like five hundred and fifty thousand dollars, something, something like that. Lines. Yeah. And that was like and, a big chunk of his salary and, too. And he just didn't show up. And I remember for no reason. 
I remember reading the headline on Twitter, and they were just like, "Yeah, apparently Vic Beasley has not showed up, and the Titans for have no, no idea where he is." Yep. And I was like, no, no, "Okay." No. <laughs> I mean, it was just, definitely worrisome there, but then you just hear it's like, "Yeah, they've been in contact. He's just not showing up." And I'm like, "What do you mean he's just not showing up?" Well, well, there was this really weird article that came out after, and they said like when he was with Atlanta. He spoke about how after he was done, he wanted to open up like a church or something and, and so forth. And, and one of the best comments that I read that whole, the whole street, the whole spread of, of comments were sitting there. And the best one was, does he know he has to work on Sundays? He doesn't seem to like to do that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so maybe we're just talking about a weird dude. I thought it was maybe like a contract situation, but I'm like, you just signed to them. So it makes no sense to me. That was funny. I guess that's old news now. Uh, do you think you dodged a bullet with that one with the Falcons, or there there were issues? I mean, he wasn't. He couldn't even find a position. He didn't even know what to play anymore. <laughs> they, they changed it like three different times, and he was there four years. Right. So, so they kept changing it. I mean, it, it was there was a game. I'm sure if you look it up, where at the end of one of the games, it was a close game, and he was standing in the tunnel watching the game. It's like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, and at the time, it's like. This is him coming off one of the, the best seasons, like leading the league in sacks, doing great. And then the next year, it's like, what, the, what happens? Like, he just did not – he just wasn't what, what the Falcons wanted from him. That's eventually why they moved on. I mean, he's not an awful player. It's just, you know, not what, what they wanted. We'll have to see what unfolds. If, if Mike Vrabel can end up making him a stud after all, what he's going through right now with not showing up to camp and everything like that, if you can get something out of him that he didn't get with the Falcons, I think uh, – Mike Vrabel's just a miracle worker at that point because he's going to make that Titans team into some a big threat going into the playoffs, of course. Yeah. Um, anyway, I guess this is a good spot to wrap up here. By the way, one more thing I'll add, and it's not a topic of discussion or anything. It's just kind of a, a note. Like I noticed something. Whenever we're on this podcast, the Buccaneers tend to sign someone of <laughs> of big names, like like yeah. a, of, of of note. So we're talking about last time we recorded in the middle of the show, Gronk got traded to the Bucks, And now we have Leonard Fournette after just a couple of days of him being released signs with the Bucks again. Um, All right, well, are well, we, are we just bad luck? I mean, it's worse I, for you. I don't really care. It but. is. It is bad for me. Are we going to find like next time we record is, is Earl Thomas going to be on the Bucks now? What's, what's going to happen here? Uh, maybe we <laughs> should wait until the season starts and then <laughs> we should start back to recording um anyways just to kind of tease what's going on um for this season of franchise tag which i'm very excited for uh, me and chris are kind of working on a new way to fill, to help out the way we pick out games using spreads um that are on sports but sites which make it a lot tougher so we're going to have a little point system going on last season we did pick every game which is very time consuming which is why we had a two-hour podcast because we had to go through every single game um and also talk and talk about every single game that was played that week also going into the next week um so we're working on making things shorter i feel like a lot of people have especially for younger people have short attention spans so i feel like it would be a good thing to shorten this thing up a little more and we're planning on making things a lot more exciting um so make sure to stay tuned for that season starts in just eight days anyway we'll wrap it up here it's franchise tag pod on instagram and twitter stay tuned for some more episodes excited for football can't say that enough um chris thank you for coming on and next time we put on an episode, I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready too. Thank you for having me. All As right. always, you know, we're loving it. All right. See you guys next time.